It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, everybody. A little Sunday smash for that ass. What's up? I'm Jeff. There's Tom. He's adjusting his brightness. Hey, so listen, let me let, let me uh, let you all know something here real quick. Tom's a warrior. I said this yesterday, but he is. We're doing like 30, 40 minutes tonight. That's all we got. It's not because we don't love you. We do love you, but I'm empathetic. Tom's been reeling. I want to watch football. Come on in. Let's do this 40 minutes together. Let's do this thing. I hope, I hope like hell, you guys watch that Minnesota-Buffalo game. But, we're, we're, you know, that's an aside. Let's talk about, yeah, Jeff Tom Smash. That's right. Uh, let's, do, uh, let's do first things first. Florida State's legit good, Tom. Legit yep. good. Yep, yep. I had a sneaking suspicion that the defense would be good again now. I know there's a lot of qualifiers and ifs and ands, and it's three straight weeks of a quarterback question, but this is modern college football, and holding teams to three points in back-to-back weeks is just something you hardly ever see, whether it's in the ACC or elsewhere. I was really, really impressed with the defense, and I think they're the lead, even though the offense has been, there you go, super explosive and consistent and awesome, balanced, all of those things. Early in this game, when there's a couple of empty possessions and a turnover in a short field, the defense was really, really good again. And I was glad to see that they recognized Adam Fuller and allowed him to break the rock last night. Somebody had mentioned that in the chat. Maybe it's Fuller's time. Yeah, man, if you don't give up a touchdown, and, yeah. you know, it's the last play of the Georgia Tech game to present. That's the span of time that you haven't given up a touchdown. Good on you, man. And especially with that starting group, we put out a graphic on the Warchant Facebook page that with Fabian Lovett now back in tow, he's played half the season, five out of the 10 games this year. Florida State is averaging 70 yards less given up on the ground, about 103 yards per game on the ground with Fabian Lovett. It's nearly 170 <clears throat> when he's not there. So it's good to see, man. So if you think about it, we talked a lot about Fabian Lovett in the offseason, and um, we talked about what a difference maker he was. I really believe Big Coop would have had a better season if he had not, I mean, obviously uh, kind of been playing one-armed half the year. He, he's better than he's shown. Yeah. And I think Florida State's defensive line, which is good, would, be, would have been even 
better, obviously, if everybody could remain healthy. That's an understatement. But I Fabian's a difference maker. Fabian, when healthy, when 100% right, is kind of a – honestly, he's he's a second-round type of guy. He's like first, second-round type of guy. He's a really good player, and he's passionate. He's huge. He cares deeply. He's um, an energizer in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, we, we're all left to wonder what if. We're all left to wonder what would have happened had he played in the three games that Florida State lost. Um, I have a suspicion Florida State would have won at least one of those, possibly two. Yeah. Um, we'd be talking about the storyline would be very different right now. The storyline might be that Florida State was about to play for an ACC championship. The storyline might be that Florida State like deserved to be talked about in the same way that LSU is being talked about right now. Um, because obviously Florida state beat LSU in new Orleans and LSU is everybody's darling right now. I think Florida state's better than LSU, but it just tells you, uh, how close this season was to being magical, but I don't think you should get hung up on it. I know you're not, uh, you know, the seasons play out the way they do. Lots of people deal with injuries. These things happen. And when you build up enough depth to get over that, you, you know, you can survive some of these things. Florida State could not. Um, but I will say, if you're a Florida State fan right now, and obviously if you're here, you are, you got a superstar in the making in Trey Benson, like a legit first-round running back superstar in the making. You have an offensive line that's building towards something completely dominant. You have a quarterback that if he comes back could be an All-American will probably be the best quarterback in the ACC along with May at North Carolina. You really are building towards that thing. And, and, And for Florida State, like we've done this before, Tom. I watched the demise at the end of Bobby Bowden's years, the lost decade. I watched the rise with Jimbo Fisher. So did you. We saw the demise and I think we're watching the rise. I think I think what you're seeing now is Florida State's about to be really good. Yeah, I, I think it's getting there. Um, the question is, I think there's this little period of time now that's a bridge between what they currently have and then I think that 24 class is going to be really robust. The question is, how do you bridge between now and then? And I think some of that is retention of guys on the current roster, and then it's about hitting on the transfer portal again this offseason maybe in a way with certain, with numbers that are higher than you ideally would want to go into the transfer transfer portal and dip in for. But now it's about a couple of things, that kind of retention, then also building the depth. If you can build the depth that, you know, the offensive line, oddly enough, had this year with the bad yeah. injury like the offensive line has had, they've still been productive week in and week out. They're still kicking ass in yards per carry. They're still not allowing the quarterback to be sacked at the top clip in the ACC. Like those are incredible things. And if you told me that those things would be the case in the middle of November before they even played a single game, I'd say, wow, nobody got hurt. But that's not true. Guys did get hurt. You've lost dudes for the season and for long stretches. So oddly enough, the offensive line has proven to be uh, littered with more depth than the defensive line. So you've got to fortify the ranks up front on defense. You got to fortify the ranks at linebacker. You got to get better at corner. Like we see these material places that there can be upgrades for Florida State to take that next step. The question is, how do you do those things in the now for the for this upcoming season in 23? Because I think 24, that roster is going to be pretty good. It's a fun question to have because we're not talking about the existential crisis of, is Mike Norvell the guy anymore? That is a dead issue 
forget about it. He is the guy, and he's going to get paid like he's the guy. Seth writes, I feel like this gets the Sunday smash vibe. Hit the Tampa hard rock before the game yesterday. Was up 200 bucks on blackjack. Left down $300. Knowles won, no money well spent tonight. Uh, spent, am I right? Without question, Seth. You had a good time, and it would have taken, I don't know what kind of table you were on, but I'm assuming it wasn't a $50 table. So if you're on a normal table, you had a good time, man. You had a good time because uh, 5 to $10 tables would take you hours to lose that kind of money. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good, good, good for you. Um, you know, I, I ran into somebody tonight. Uh, we were talking about the season. We were talking about college football. It's been a really good college football season so far. Um, really good. And they were talking about, well, like if we went out, like, could we play Bama in a bowl? Yeah. I mean, sure. And we started talking about what that would look like. And the guy, I think rightfully, and for a lot of people were like, Oh man, I don't know about that. And I said, Oh really? Well, you know, LSU bid Alabama and Alabama nearly lost yesterday to Ole Miss. And you know, I watched that Alabama team, Texas, who's not really good at all. We just lost yesterday after scoring 10 points and no offensive touchdowns at home to TCU. They had Alabama on the ropes. You know, maybe maybe just the name, yeah. you know, scares the hell out of you. Because I think Florida State would move the ball against Alabama's defense. I think Florida State would score against Alabama. Now, I think Alabama would score against Florida State. The point is, let's see it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Give me nine and three Florida State against ten and two Alabama, and let's go. Well, and let's get to that nine and three because you know Florida's defense has huge problems, and we'll see them in two Fridays from now. They're in the hundreds, I think, in yards per game allowed. So do what you're supposed to do on offense if you're Florida State, and you'll set the pace and put the pressure on Florida's offense to answer. But the one thing that the Gators do is they bring a lot of physicality on the ground, so it's going to be a good test for this defense. I mean, obviously, I know you got Louisiana in between that. Be mature yeah. again. Take care of business there. But if you can pass that Florida test and you are standing at 9-3, and three, the bowl tie-ins get interesting. NC State blowing a lead yesterday was 20-7 to seven late. They lose to Boston College, knocks them off the ladder. Now you're ahead of them. Now it comes down to Clemson, Notre Dame, North Carolina, and Florida State for those ACC slash Notre Dame bowl tie-ins. And what's interesting is I was looking at the ACC website today for the bowl tie-ins because it's a question that we're getting a lot now. We haven't been to a bowl in some time, so we like asking, what bowl would we go to? Did you know that the Cotton Bowl is also a potential tie-in for the ACC because it's an at-large, straight at-large? Yeah. So, you know, th this is going to get really interesting, this discussion, over the next few weeks. If we keep winning, do we jump, say, Notre Dame in the polls? I found it interesting that, at least in the coaches' poll today, we did not jump Notre Dame, who barely beat Navy. And we're dominant the last two weeks. These resumes are, are starting to get to a place where they're a razor's edge. You beat Florida. I think you're going to be in a very good position to jump Notre Dame in terms of uh, what prestige of bowl you can be tied into. I think at this point, it's looking more likely that we're not going to leave the state of Florida because there are a couple of bowls that would horse trade their way into getting us. You know Miami wants us down there for the Orange Bowl, and you know the, uh, the Gator Bowl would love us too in Jacksonville. So I, I'd be interested to see what what plays out in the next couple of weeks. But if you go nine and three, I think you make a strong case to, unfortunately, I know we like to travel, but to be local for the bowl game. So, Ryan, I would love to go to Arlington if it happens. I have no desire to, to go to uh, Jacksonville to the Gator Bowl. I've been to the Gator Bowl, I don't know, 
20 times. I, I don't want to go to the Gator Bowl again. Uh, but that's the SEC tie-in, though. So if you wanted to play an SEC team, that's where it, that's where it would take place. Yeah, and let's go play Cincinnati, by the way. We would boat race Cincinnati. I watch that team a lot um, for you know monetary purposes. <laughs> I, 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 would, uh, I would take that game all day long. Um, Thomas, thank you so much. He writes... Took FSU at minus six and a half and also teased South Alabama and Michigan. Thank you, Jeff. Made a great weekend, even better. Thanks, Thomas. Uh, I'm glad you did. You know, listen, I actually had a hard week on Redemption Thursday. My personal life, I had a winning week, but I had a losing week on Redemption Thursday. I think I went four and six, maybe five and five. I'm going to double check that. Wasn't good. I started off like a house on fire, um, but then then things went south. Um, but that's okay. You know, um, that's. It's what you do. You, you get out there and you have some fun with it. I will say this. I think if Florida State were to play, like, so this is the, this morning I did the college football rap, and I had the guest on from Michigan, guest on from Texas. Corey Clark joined me for FSU. And, you know, I, I, I've had a better perspective this year of talking to people from West Coast, East Coast, Midwest, the whole thing, South. and. I just I look at these teams, Tom, and I think Florida State is every bit as good as any team in the top fifteen, from four to fifteen, mm-hmm. four to fifteen. Like I, maybe even three to fifteen. I think three to fifteen. I think so. yeah. I think three to fifteen. Florida State is every bit as good as those teams. So you know, on the one hand, you kick yourself up with the three losses, but on the other hand, you say, "Oh man, thank God we finally have a a team that uh, is exciting to watch." They're also really easy to root for. In a lot of ways, this Florida State team reminds me of the uh, Trent Forest basketball teams. Mm-hmm. Like, those teams were so fun to watch. They were really good. They were skilled. They got better as the year went on. They played hard as hell. Uh, they had a whole bunch of get-you-some to them. They, th- there was all that stuff that I love. This team has that, man. This team has that. They're, Jordan Travis is easy to root for. Trey Benson is easy to root for. Mike Norvell is easy to root for. Um, yeah, man, we got something right now. We got something. Like, enjoy this ride. They're not a finished product. They're not close to winning a national championship. But they're good. They're legit good. And they would give a lot of teams a lot of problems. Yeah, they. I mean, they would give. I think even the top two teams problems if they were sleeping on Florida State that week. They'd be like, "Oh shoot, who are these guys?" You know, right. and for a quarter and a half or a half, they'd say, "Like, whoa, we better get our stuff together because this is a lethal offense." It's just the balance of it all. And to your point about likability, so how about Coach Norvell's interview at halftime where he says, "We're accountable, top to bottom, as a roster." And I told the players, "That's on me for some of these bad plays that I called here. I put us in terrible positions." That's the way we're. That's what we're about. And then Trey Benson in his post game interview said, "No, everybody's playing for each other. Nobody's selfish here. We don't care who gets the ball as long as the job gets done." Trey's been getting the ball a lot recently, and it's by merit. There's no doubt about that. But you can see it. You know, Micah Pittman didn't get targeted against Miami, and he had a much more prominent yeah. role on special teams and early in the game catching the uh, the ball last night against Syracuse. Johnny Wilson has been up and down in terms of productivity when you're looking at targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. But my man blocks his ass off every single week. Every single week. Malik McClain has been all or nothing. And last night, man, if there was an angry run segment for uh, college football like there is for the NFL, that is an outstanding play. And I love to see that because the two passing touchdowns last night 
were something that we talked about all week long on the JCS, which is Syracuse is going to give you miles of cushion before the snap. And I love how we're alert to that. We look, it's a design run play, but McLean's right there. Throw it one yard depth to make sure you don't have an illegal man downfield. And then it's hand to freaking helmet. And in the ground, you go for six. It's just this group finds different ways to win on offense. The game plan is alert every single week. And if somebody's not getting targeted or not getting the totes, it's it's not a problem. Nobody's There's nobody that's put out on that offense, and I love to see that. So Micah Pittman kind of represents what this team is in a lot of ways, um, an angry bunch that is demanding respect and that finishes plays. Benson has kind of figured out who he is, and he represents the same thing, right? Like a whole bunch of get you some. Mm-hmm. Um I think this offensive line has become really emboldened by what they're entrusted to do. Uh, I think bottom line is um, Florida State's good. They're on the verge of being very good. So when yeah. you go into the next year, what depending on what we do in the transfer portal, how the recruiting class finishes up, Tom, I mean, I, I think Florida State – has a chance. First of all, they'll be preseason top 20. Yep. Secondly, I think they're a legitimate contender to win the ACC next year. Um, now, obviously, if you're in that position, uh, then you're in a position to make the college football playoff. So, you know, we've been pretty bold with our predictions the last few weeks. Yes, Florida State's better than the three teams they've played, but the way that Florida State has summarily dismissed Those teams, um, those teams were made to look like children on the football field with Florida State. Uh, It's almost like we were offended that they were attempting to to play football with us. I would argue, and I'm a realist and I'm pragmatic. You know this about me. I would argue that if Florida State played Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson right now, they would win all three of those games. So, yeah, the. The neutral site game against Clemson would be a war, but I think Florida State would win that game. I think Florida State would hammer NC State right now. Hammer. Wouldn't even be close. They would finish what they started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Florida State would probably beat Wake Forest at this point with the problems they've had on the offensive line lately with Fabian Lovett back. Well, again, it, yeah, it's a 70-yard difference in rushing output. And I and I know that if you know Fabian missed the tough part of the schedule, so some of that is weighted, but you can see it. You can see the difference. And the thing I'd also say is what happened in that Wake Forest game two or three times, you had corners in phase and unable yeah. to play. Now you're seeing our defensive backs finish plays. Like, for example, last night before the game got out of hand, it's Gadsden versus Renardo Green in space on the bottom of your television screen along the sideline. And Renardo stays with him through the whole play. He's given yeah. up two or three inches and how many pounds? 30, 40 pounds. I mean, that's a big dude. Stays yeah. in phase, fights, gets his hand in position and bats the ball away. These kinds of things were not being made uh, to happen against Wake Forest and for some other of the stretch of those three losses in a row. They're starting to make these plays now and, and greedy Vance back-to-back weeks with an interception. You're seeing increased confidence out of the secondary. That's the development that happens again. The question is next year, as you're building towards what is a favorable ACC schedule now with the 3-3-5 model, it's a good ACC slate for Florida State, is how do you replenish 
the defensive line and the interior of the offensive line. I think you, you've got some or tackle on the offensive line. You've got some bodies that you like in Alex Atkins group that you can shuffle around, but you probably need one or two more that are ready made that can be in the rotation of seven or eight. And then on the defensive line, you got to replace Fabian and you're probably, of course, going to have to replace Jared Verse. Patrick Payton's a nice start, but you got to be able to have three or four solutions at both parts of that part of the trench play. And if you do, then you're in a position, if Jordan Travis returns, to be doing the things that you're talking about, which is contending for an ACC title. And hell, man, you get a get-out-of-jail-free card if you beat LSU in week one next year in Orlando. If you beat them, that is a huge feather in your cap and separator when the college football rankings come out down the line. But you've got to take care of business right now, and then you've got to close a little bit better on signing day and go hammer that transfer portal. So there's work to be done. It's not a fait accompli that you're going to be that relevant but I think what should be expected at this point for Florida State is now that we're back in the rankings and we're squarely in the top 20, both polls came out today, AP and coaches, Florida State's number 20 in the country. I think the college football playoff might actually have us a little bit better than that. We don't need to be unranked anymore. No more. I don't want to see a lack of a number next to Florida State's name on the lower bug of any TV broadcast for the next five seasons. We're done with that crap. Let's stay in that conversation. You guys need to summon your positive energy that Dallas goes and drives down the field and scores here because I have a four-team parlay that depends on Dallas winning this game. Um, what I can score to tie the game here late. And uh, that's all well and good, Tom. But we're going to need Dallas in the remaining 229 to go down and score a touchdown here or a field goal to win the game. So what I can tell you is, just from a uh, perspective of a sporting guy or gal, yesterday was an important day for those of you that believed in Florida State in the preseason. Yeah. That believed that more than six and a half wins were coming and were willing to put it down Correct. on a table like yours truly. It was a big day for those folks. And congratulations to all of you who listened to W's and L's and saw that we were going north of six wins this week. Well, you and I both picked over that, so yes. I, yes. I wasn't saying that you didn't. I'm no, I'm just saying like that. We all knew that Florida State was going to win more than six and a half games. That was a preposterous line. It was. Yeah. It yeah. was because you could see the improvement in practice, and and that's the thing is, is just Mike Norvell welcomes the media into his practices because he believes in what he's doing and he knows he's got nothing to hide. And you could see it these last three camps, last year in fall, last spring, and then this fall. They got better and better and better. The thing that I love is that now everybody gets to see it and the players get to see it to a point where they know what they're doing is working. And so they're going to buy in all the more. And then when the next generation comes in, they're going to tell them, listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. I mean, remember yeah. the first year yeah. that, that Coach Norvell took over in 2020, you had some you know BS culture issues still reverberating from Jimbo and Willie. And remember the Memphis players were tweeting at Florida State and tweeting at Florida State players and saying, man, you don't understand. You got to listen to this guy. He'll get you right. You'll play it right and you'll have a culture, but you got to listen to this man. So we had a friend uh, of the program who reached out to us, you and me, and his brother played for Mike Norvell at Memphis. And he basically said, listen, Mike's the truth. Mike, Mike's a guy that if you believe in him and you go to war for him, he'll do everything in his power to get you in a position to succeed. He'll do everything. He, he works it. He talks it. He does the whole thing. And I think he's, I think he's right. I think Mike, Mike's a guy 
that's easy to root for because he works so hard. You know, there were questions about Mike coming in. Some of it had to do the conference he came from. Some of it had to do with the age that he is. There were some other question marks about Mike. Hey, headliners and elite headliners. It's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy. All because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. But I think Mike is in a really good place right now. Um, he's at a good place in his life, I think, with his age and then his maturity level. As you know, it's natural, Tom. You're about to enter your 40s. You're an old soul, so you're already very mature. But it's interesting to watch people go from 27, 28, 29 to 36, 37, 38, and then on into their 40s. It, the life perspective changes the way you go about your life and the way you go about your business. Mike Ravel is a guy that's made a lot of mistakes, some of them born out of immaturity. But he's a guy that's always been on the right path when it comes to work ethic and telling the truth to the players, you know, being honest with them about what he expects. And he shows up every day the same way. You know, Mike is really steady that way. Um, you know, when you see Mike Ravel, one of the things that stands out is that he's fit, right? He's He looks well-rested. Yeah. So I think, like, Mike is a guy that, goes to war for 18 hours a day, goes home, goes to sleep, you know, kisses his wife, hugs his daughter, gets up, hits that treadmill, goes to war, goes to practice, and does it again and again and again. And that is really hard to do. There aren't a lot of people that can do that. But it is what you're tasked with. It is the responsibility of a coach who's making $5 million a year to do that to be his very best, to put himself in a position to think clearly and, and raise these young men and make them better people and better players. And I'm just going to tell you right now, man, I think that guy is the truth. Um, he's not devoid of mistakes. He's not devoid of problems in terms of certain things that he does, but I think he's earnest. Yeah. I think he's a hard worker. I think he's really smart. I think he cares deeply. And I think most importantly, the players know that. The players know that. You know, the players, they respond to that. One of the reasons you see the level 
of unselfishness with this football team is that sacrifice is born from the head coach. Like you have to see it in him and his staff. You have to know that they're willing to do all of those things that they're asking you to do. And honestly, if you're a back in this offense, you're a, a, a rock, wide receiver in this offense, you have to wait your turn. You have to do, you have to sacrifice. You have to block. You have to, you have to do a lot of things that don't make you a star. They're all willing to do it. Why? Because of Mike, man. Because yeah. of Mike. Well, I think about the last seven days, well, eight days now, but you have the deuce span issue on the sideline against Miami in which that's just, uh, I go back to it and I called it brilliant television because great job by the production truck to catch that moment and not go away, not show yeah. up on formation, stay here. This is way more relevant than Miami getting their ass kicked on the field. This is cool. Let's see what's happening. And that moment played out perfect coaching in that moment. Leaves his responsibilities on the sideline because he knows what's more important right now is making sure that I don't lose this young man. He stays engaged. Look me in the eyes. That's what he kept saying. Don't don't shut down on me. Stay right. with me. Then you've got the Sam McCall issue where he says that he's going to be entering the portal. And how does Coach Norvell handle that? He doesn't shame him in practice. Sam McCall wasn't wearing an orange jersey. He says, I was 18 once. I get it. If I responded to everything in my life that I didn't like with the first emotional reaction I had, I'd have a lot more hurdles in my life. So he chose to be a teacher there. And then the evidence of what happened last night is all about uh, – or last night was the evidence that this week he stayed on message, made sure they were mature, that they were ready to go, and that they were going to take on another yeah. inferior opponent and handle yeah. business. That team was not anything but razor sharp in terms of their focus, and that is yeah. an extension of the coaching staff. So all of these little detail things that stacked together in the last eight days – I mean, his stock is going through the roof, and it all culminates with the halftime interview saying, my bad, I've got to be accountable. That's just outstanding. How can you not root for that guy? And if you're either 17 years old or the parents of a 17-year-old who has the caliber of talent of coming to Florida State, how do you look at those events and not say, holy cow, as long as Florida State can pay my son commensurate to some of these other schools with an NIL, why would I not entrust him to that man? So they're going to need one more year of the uh, transfer portal, and they're going to have to be really big in the transfer portal. And that's true of all teams these days. That is the modern way. Um, they're still not elite in recruiting, and that's got to get better. They got to start signing top 10, top five classes. Um, you now have the ability to prove your concepts over and over again. You now have enough guys that have been here and done that that can echo those sentiments and tell players, hey, man, this is the truth. You know, come here. You're going to work really hard. He's going to bust your balls, but you're going to become better, and we're going to win games. So I need to see that next step. You know, I really do. Uh, I would like to believe that these wins that keep mounting, and they're going to get, you know, they're going to beat Louisiana on Saturday you you at some point you got to cash that in. You got to have a couple of guys say yes that we're unsure. So we'll see. Um, I think in the interim they do have to win in the transfer portal because I don't think they're elite recruiters yet. Uh, that's the one downside. If we're going to provide balance in this argument, I don't think that they're they're elite. That staff is not an elite recruiting staff. But wins can overcome that. Now there's a couple of people here. Z Chan always. 
Evening, gents. What does the defense have to do to take the next step? <laughs> what about the offense? I don't know uh, what the offense could do myself. I, I'm going to leave the defense alone right now. I will tell you again, guys, I'm going to say this. The defense is so much better than they were. They're definitely competent. But, Tom, let's admit, they've caught these last three teams at the right time. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, Miami is ass. Uh, whose quarterback was coming off an injury and got hurt. You know Georgia Tech did not have a quarterback on that day. And I don't think, by the way, that Schrader was right in this game, and he didn't look right from the get-go. So I'm not trying to take away the dominance of the defense because that deserves credit Yeah, no matter what. But let's be real. I mean, they haven't exactly been facing – elite offenses so i'm gonna lay off the defense but here's why the defense isn't as good as they've shown no i just listen i don't i, I don't think we need to go nuts about this defense right now i mean honestly come on these last three games georgia tech miami and syracuse really yeah I mean, uh, what, what i'd say though is syracuse didn't cross over 100 yards until the fourth quarter i mean you know no, no, listen this kind of dominance is awesome and i agree that it's a great showing I'm just not prepared to crown their ass. I just I don't think that it's no. elite. Listen, they that defense in the second half of the NC State game didn't get stops when we had to have it. Wake Forest beat that defense up in Tallahassee, and Clemson, who you know is not that good, did whatever they wanted against that defense for a good portion of the game. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, when you played good teams, you didn't exactly shut down offenses. No, I, but I think they've developed and they've gotten better. All these things can be true at the same time, because I also think that Clemson, uh, especially the quarterback, was in a much better place between the ears at the time that they played. He wasn't making the big mistake. We documented that thoroughly. Sure. The Clemson game. And he was broken by the Syracuse game. Uh, oddly enough, you know, the four turnovers and then they, they play the Klubnik kid. And they do the old switcheroo, and now you—I think you've ruined that kid. And Klubnik is going to be the future for them. So DJ will be playing somewhere else next year and beyond. Uh, but I, I also think that when you bring Fabian Lovett back into the fold, magically these defensive backs look a lot better. You know, players completely make agree. Completely agree. I think there's an element of that. I just think that when we're balancing that, I don't think the extremes are the right right place to look. Correct. Uh, to answer Z Chan's question about the offense, here's what the offense needs to do. Um, you've got to improve the offensive line to a degree that against most teams, most teams in the country, if you're in a third and two and you got to have it and the world knows you're going to run it, that you can't. They're, they're not there yet. They're not there yet. Right, right, right. I like the weaponry on the outside, especially I like Hakeem Williams coming in. They've got another receiver that's pretty good as well in this 23 class. The running back room is loaded for years. If Jordan comes back, I feel really good about that prospect of the offense. That's going to be a huge development over the next month. But the thing that's sticking out, actually, there's two. You could really use an excellent tight end or H-back in this offense. It would change it even more fundamentally and make it that much more of a headache to prepare for. But I think the bigger issue, that's the luxury. The bigger issue, the core issue, is that you've got to get the offensive line to a place that when the world knows you're running a short yardage or goal line, that it doesn't matter you're just going to run it right through them. And that's that's the thing. For the defense, I think you need upgrades pretty much at every level in this offseason. So that's where I would agree with you. I just think it's full, full marks to this defensive staff that smoke, mirrors, strength of schedule, whatever you want to call it, they're in the top 15 of the country in a lot yeah, of – Yeah, but, but – <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want them to do? Apologize for it? Or they shouldn't. 
Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I'm not going to go to war against our defense after holding consecutive opponents to three points. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to. But you don't think they're great? You, no, I think I think they've gotten better, and they deserve full marks for being able to manage around some things that aren't awesome. Like that's that's coaching too. Yeah, it is. I don't disagree with that. I actually think they're pretty good. I don't. I don't want to give the wrong impression. I think they're pretty good. I just don't think they're. I don't think they're elite. I. I, I think. Like we're talking about now to aspiring towards another, you know, place, right? So I get in trouble for this all the time. You know me. We go way back. We love each other. You know the way I speak. When I tell people that somebody's not any good, it's all relative. It's all relative to what the perspective of the competition is and 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 the realm in which we. So, like, if we're talking about golfers. And I tell you, so and so is not any good. Well, they're on the PGA Tour. Of course, they're fucking good. They're 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 good. So it's all relative, right? So there's that. When I talk about Florida State's defense, I think, all right, look, if we're trying to win national championships, and you're using that bar, right? Where do we think this defense is? Well, they're not anywhere close. Are they good enough to win the ACC? Are they good enough to get to a college football playoff? No, I don't think so, obviously, but I think they're about to be. I think they're pretty close. So I agree with you there that they're about to make changes and have more depth at key positions. They've got to get a lot better at linebacker. They got two good linebackers. That's what they got. They got two. They don't have an elite corner. Right. They have one good safety and one whatever safety. They don't have, I mean, listen, they're not elite but they could be real soon. So we agree on this. And that part of it's true. They're better. They're well-coached. They're fighting like hell. I'm proud of them. I want to win national championships. So yeah. everything is relative to that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm, he, I'm the here and now guy for right now because we haven't been top 15 in much of anything in a long time. Sure, right? sure. No, I'm hungry, Tom. I'm hungry. I, I get This is a top 15. The Sunday smash for me is a kickback and relax. The Sunday smash for you is an aspire to the future. I, I get it. But well, I, here's where we both agree, though. But here's where we agree. That the difference between the 50th best team or defense and the, and the 15th best is a lot smaller than the 15th best defense or team and the fourth or third best in the country to go from 15 to three is way harder. Way, yeah. Way it's harder. like going from 88 to 77. Sure. Right. I, I agree. It is, it is a gulf between the elite of the elite and then that next wave. But guess what? We're in the next wave for the first time since 2015 or 2016. So damn it. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of that. And then you're going to get a good test at the end of the year. You're going to get a real good test. I don't foresee Florida having quarterback issues themselves. I don't think Richardson's magically going to come up lame against Vandy next week. So here it is, the final game of the year against your rival, a program that has a lot of recruiting momentum and has actual on-field momentum as well. They've been playing better of late. They've got a little toughness to them. Here is your chance. It's all yeah. culminating with that game. And the best part is, at minimum, you're going to have eight wins at that time, which means Mission accomplished. But the one thing I will say, too, just about recruiting and the future of, of what this staff can do and where this program is going, I, I, by and large, agree with you. Nice job on the refill. We got a promo ABC, too. But uh, I agree with you that they could use some tweaks in terms of recruiting skill on the staff. But the, it was always going to be hard to have juice without serious NIL presence in this class. 
it was always going to be hard because they got nothing to go on those kids until now. And I think in some cases it's too late unless you can drop a huge briefcase on somebody at the 11th hour in the 20 weekend in the 20. Hopefully we can. Are we winning enough? Let's go people rally the troops. But next year in 2024, that class is already fifth or sixth in the country, depending upon where you look. So they're off to a good start there. And those kids are going to hear the message loud and clear. So I think some of these coaches are going to be able to skate in the future because the proof of concept is there now. It's just 2023 is not going to be, you're not going to get that 11th hour surge, I don't think, unless magically we come up with a whole lot more money to have kids change their minds. Timmy writes, I don't think people understand that Texas A&M has a lot of five stars on their team, but only three and seven. You have to have the right coach or system to make an elite team. So Timmy, I think you're right and you're wrong. Um, I do think you can overcome coaching weakness with elite players. But I will also say that if you don't have a good culture and you suffer a ton of injuries, AM has, and they don't want to play for that guy, and they don't care because they're basically mercenaries, it can all go south in a hurry. Yep. And this is the this is the whole thing with transfer portal, NIL, all this stuff. You have a lot of kids that made a decision that it's not based in any sort of like loyalty. It's based in like, he paid me more or I was told this, you know, I was lied to or whatever it might be. Like gone are the days where you're like engendering this sort of love of campus and culture and university. Like this is a borderline professional football operation across the board around the country. What I think Mike has done has created this sense of family. I think Mike's different. I think he deserves a lot of credit. There are very few people who, who have somehow in this day and age been able to like create an environment in which people care so much about each other and the program. And they sell it to these kids in the NIL and, and more importantly, the transfer portal right now. They yeah. sell it in the transfer portal. It's huge. So that's Mike's strength. Long term, you're going to have to be able to get elite players. You're going to have to find a way to get stockpile elite players. Look at Georgia. Those players are elite. They're insane. They just lost like 15 guys to the NFL and they're 10 and 0. Like that's because they're more talented than everybody else. Well, and Kirby's got it rolling too. You know, they don't hate his ass the way that AM players hate Jimbo's ass. So that, that's part of it. Robert had a question about roster construction. Can answer that. Uh, before we do, to the nearly 900 of you that are here on Sunday Smash, do us a favor underneath this video, hit the like button, subscribe to War Chant TV. It is absolutely free. He says, let's talk roster construction. Folks are crying about recruiting, even with the wins. I'm pretty sold on the staff shops to build a roster. Does it really matter if it's high school or multi-year portal players? My personal opinion on that, it's more reliable to build a roster through high school ranks because year to year in the transfer portal, it's kind of tough to assume that there are always going to be the answers that you're looking for. And the fewer transfer portal answers there are out there, the more you're competing NIL for NIL with some programs that might have more in the back pocket to make something happen. So Robert, they've been exceptional at scouting, finding culture fits, 
within the transfer portal. And I think that's also in, in a way, that's what you're talking about, buddy, with they all love each other. There's a lot of dudes on this team that are on their second school and this is their last chance. And I yeah. think that helps engender yeah. that desperation that Mike and this program has. They're all in, in alignment in terms of their viewpoint. This program's got a chip on its shoulder because we've been down for five years. They've got a chip on their shoulder because they've been told no or they failed somewhere else. So it all kind of coddles together very, very nicely, cobbles together very, very nicely. But I think in the long term, Robert, if you really want to have more reliable results with a program, you're going to have to work it in high school and fortify those relationships because yeah. you just don't know year to year if they're going to be a multi-year transfer out there that can help you and put you over the top. It's still a novel thing. It might be the future of it all, but I think that's it's it's too new to assume that the transfer portal is always going to bail you out. Yeah, it's nice knowing that we're good at plucking those kids, though. Yes. Um, yes. And I think we got to do it again because we're about to see a drop-off in a lot of key areas, so you're going to have to get some kids that are ready-made that have already played a lot of college football. I think you have a chance. Let me just say this, guys, and you'll mark this, mark the time. We're you know, getting ready to say goodbye. Um, it's good that Illinois lost this weekend, guys. It's good <laughs> that Illinois lost this weekend. Yeah. Uh, another loss for Illinois. A couple of kids on that defensive line that are really good. Might be from the state of Florida. So only so much you can do at Illinois. Florida State's on the come. Just some kids that could be difference makers to look at. All right, so I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, I won't ask you to expand on that. So two things. Number one, I'd ask you before we sign off for the night, what is the percentage chance that at 11 a.m. on the Saturday after the Florida game, we are on the deck at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, the kegs are fired up, the funnels are filled, and we are doing keg stands and beer funnels after going nine and three and finishing the season five and oh, what percentage chance would you give that? 68%. Oh, that's a little lower than I thought. Okay. So that, I think Florida's good, Tom. I actually think Florida's good. They are. They are. I, I don't think they suck. I think, I think the problem is we want them to, but they don't. Well, They've got an elite quarterback who can really run. He's huge. Um, and they're physical. So, They'll match our physicality. We should win the game, but eh. it's that's one phase of the game. There is another, and we have a distinct advantage when we're on the field with the ball versus their defense. I think it's yeah, a- but their defense showed up this weekend and held South Carolina to six points. I just i I got you, dude. But I think they're starting to. This game is going to be a war. Oh, I Florida State fans are going to have to show up and be loud, and it's going to be important, and there's a whole lot of get you some in this game. Guys, this game's going to be incredible on that Friday night. Yes. So here is uh, here's the other thing. Uh, folks, are you going to a Thanksgiving dinner that you don't want to go to, and you've got to be <laughs> you know, that person, and you go, what do I bring? All right, look above us right here. There we go. Look above us. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits throughout the state of Florida. They've got the gift baskets galore for both the uh, the winter holidays, but Thanksgiving. So if you want to go get a ready-made gift basket, sometimes they'll have highball glasses in them. Sometimes they'll have little chocolates to mix with wine. Don't think and then search through the mall, whoever goes to the mall anymore, or Amazon.com and say, what the hell do I bring to this place? I don't even want to go. 
just stop at ABC, go get yourself maybe a fifth you could put in your jacket, and then get something for somebody else and say, look at this. I made this for- basket for you with my own. Look how, look how artistic I am. And you will be the hero of the holiday party. And also, it's a quick turnaround. You've got Thursday Thanksgiving. If you like the World Cup, it's 11 a.m. the next day, United States. And then the kickoff at 7.30 between the Knolls and the Gators. Stock the hell up. And when you do stock up, go to ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. So, David, can you elaborate before I sign off here? I don't know what this means. Jeff's Carolina stinks? South Carolina stinks. Oh, okay, okay. I think I get this. I think I get this, yeah. No, they do stink. That doesn't mean I don't think Florida's a physical team and pretty decent on offense. Okay, okay, got it, got it. Trying to figure that out. It begins. Well, it's already Florida week. How about that? The Sunday, (laughs) the two Sundays before we play them, it it feels like one long. Hey, I want to commend you, dude. I'm going to interrupt you because you've been great. Uh, You've been a warrior all weekend long. Tom Lang has worked really hard, and he's been Uh, very, very sick. Yeah, there's the flu game. Look at T. Lizzie. It's been a flu week. I didn't. Uh, How good is that? Ben made that, uh, folks. It's going to be okay. I'm not on my deathbed. It's just, it sucks. Being sick sucks, you know? Sucks. Yeah, my plus eight pick for South Carolina was way off. You're right. Four to one. Hey, listen, guys, don't 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 bet my picks if you don't want to. <laughs> if you're worried about losing gambling's not for the weak at heart. You got to buck up, soldiers. Uh, I had three winning weeks in a row. I had a losing week this weekend. Shit happens. Uh, <laughs> T Lizzie, you know, I love you, baby. Go get some rest. Get some yep. sleep. We got a show to do tomorrow. We do. Uh, it'll be a great show, and we'll go from there. To all you guys, 800-plus of you, uh, we really, really do appreciate you, and um, be well. Hit the like. Yeah, be well. And uh, go Knowles, by the way. We're good. We're legit good. Cheers. We're good again, guys. How cool is that? Enjoy that doesn't a, suck. A root beer. Have a root beer. I can tell you're sick. You're drinking a root beer. I am. Um, yeah, no, and root beer is good. If I were to drink a soda, root beer is good. Um, all right, peace. Good job, Ben. Good job to all of you guys. Be well. Enjoy your Sunday night. Uh, Cowboys are driving here, boys. Let's see, third and four. Here we go. Oh I'm- God, play by play. Oh, well, well, timeout, well, Green Bay. Yeah, we're done. We're done. They know they're reeling, boys. They know they're reeling. Cut it, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>